Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, a wide-ranging discussion about artificial intelligence, ethics, philosophy, religion, and what it really means to be human. All of this in response to recent articles about a Google engineer who told people both inside and outside of his company that one of their computer programs had become self-aware and was, in fact, a sentient being. In response, Google dismissed his concerns, and when they put him on paid administrative leave, he went public with the information. So since then, the tech world has been buzzing about whether or not that could be true. From what I've read so far, many experts don't think so. But it is a fascinating possibility that computer geeks have been talking about for years, even giving it a name, the singularity, the time when machines begin to think for themselves. But that time, University of Akron Computer Information Systems professor Dr. John Nicholas says, in his opinion, hasn't arrived quite yet. Here's why. Well, first of all, all of the articles that have been written about it said that he altered this conversation for quote-unquote readability. So that right there is a level of skepticism. If this were a legit conversation, why would you edit it for readability in any way? So that, that makes me skeptical just on that level. Secondly, right now, AI is, as this program learns, it, it is just storing stuff in a database. And the databases and technology we have right now are not approaching a human brain or even an animal brain quite yet. And in order to become aware of oneself, I think we need a higher level computing similar to a human or animal brain, and we're simply not there yet. My opinion, based on reading the article and looking into this matter, is that what this engineer has done is fallen victim to the imitation game, which was, of course, a movie about uh, Alan Turing, the father of all computing. He postulated back in the 1950s that somewhere around the end of last century, people would not be able to tell whether or not they were talking to a machine with programmed answers or a human being. And recent studies have shown right now that about one third of the people are fooled by chat box conversations now and they think they're talking to a human. So I think in this case, what has happened is we have an engineer who was heading this thing, very proud of his work. He's doing incredible work. And his job was to talk to this thing for an extended period of time. And I think eventually he fell prey to the imitation game. I see. Well, let's imagine for a moment that he didn't. And let's imagine that it really did happen. And if it did, then suddenly there is a new form of life. And from an ethical point of view... What kind of considerations would we have to put into place as opposed to just a technological point of view? Well, you know, even if it hasn't happened yet, we're probably not that far off. I would say anywhere from a couple of decades to 100 years, this is going to happen anyway. So we should start thinking about what do we do. And at that point, we have a sentient being that exists inside a silicone chip on the machine. Are we obligated to never unplug that machine? Are we obligated to make sure that that machine keeps running forever? I mean, these, these are the kind of questions we're going to have to ask because now we get into the question of if you unplug the sentient being, is that murder? And, and we're going to have a whole new interesting legal discussion going forward because of this. And also, even more than like whether or not you unplug it, there's also the consideration that if you've got another living sentient being, 
Can you just order it around willy-nilly and expect it to do what you want without thinking for itself? And if it did think for itself, would you be scared about what it decided? That I would be very scared. I mean, a lot of that depends then on what ethical programming that we put in there. I mean, as human beings, our ethical programming sort of comes from this collective consciousness, whether it be in the form of religion or just kindness to others. And we make those decisions based upon propagating the species and creating the best quality of life as possible. Now we have a machine and by our standards of American justice, that that person would or that machine or that sentient being we would certainly have to have all of the rights we have to extend it to them. However, they would not require money or food to purchase things. They wouldn't need the creature things. So you get into this question now where, uh, hey, you created this thing. In this case, we are the creator. So my opinion would be yes, that I think in this case, because it was designed and specifically made to serve human beings, that it would be certainly okay for us to tell it what to do. Right. And so this all goes back into all the science fiction novels that any of us have ever read about computers and that their first rule is to never hurt mankind. Well, if it's a sentient being and it has a will of its own and it sees that mankind is hurting itself all the time, then how could we expect it not to do the same? Right. I mean, there's countless Star Trek episodes that take on that very subject where the machines decide that the human beings are the ones causing all of the pain and suffering. And so therefore, to end the pain and the suffering, the only way to do it is to end human beings. And, and that is, in fact, a very scary thought. Right. It goes back to that movie War Games, which essentially was the movie that Ronald Reagan saw back in the day. And that started us down the United States' first path towards cybersecurity because he was like, well, could this really happen in real life? And the folks from the Defense Department kind of scratched their heads and said, well, <laughs> yeah, I could. Right, right. And, you know, and I guess in some ways, thank God for that movie, because otherwise none of us have been paying attention to that. And now here we are in the 21st century. And what do we do if we turn around from the cybersecurity standpoint, if the machines that we're programming to do cybersecurity decide that they want to override the safety protocols we put in there because they decided they didn't like it? It could be a big problem for us. <laughs> Absolutely. So... I was having a conversation last week with the author of a new book, and it's about ethical computing and artificial intelligence. And one of the caveats that he came out with, and I wonder if you agree with this, is as we go forward with artificial intelligence and we're using it in our businesses and in, let's say, our government applications and so forth, that we don't just leave all the decisions on how to use it and when to deploy it up to the technologists, that there should be other considerations in play. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're going to have to feel our way through that, but there certainly, especially at the macro level, when we start talking about government and global decisions, do we really want one or two individuals in our enemy countries making decisions on what they do with their AI? And do we need a group here of ethicists, technologists, and social justice folks all deciding when and where to deploy this presents some very interesting 21st century dilemmas. And one of the interesting things I read in one of the articles about getting back to this Google engineer who just got put on leave because he believed that the machine had developed personhood. One of the things that was said in the article that kind of gave me pause and made me think is they also brought up that he had a background in religion and thinking about things from a point of view, uh, not just ethical, but also with some religious overtones. And for some reason, they felt, you know, that this maybe wasn't appropriate. But 
if you go down the line of thinking that a machine is sentient and has become a being, then does that machine have a soul? And if it's got a soul, then there's got to be some sort of religious consideration, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and of course, I think that then in turn would make us have to look at our own creation beliefs and where do souls come from questions. I mean, there's a lot of philosophical questions in there, but certainly once we are convinced that this thing is sentient, then it absolutely should be extended all the rights and be treated just like any other sentient being on the planet. So as we wrap this up then, you teach computer science at the University of Akron. Do you guys have any classes then on ethics with regard to technology? Is that something that comes up in your classes? Or do they go to a different department and learn about that kind of thing? Or is it under the umbrella as you start talking about technology? All of the above. We have a course called Ethics and Law in IT that's specific to our degree track. The philosophy department has some degrees on talking about ethics with technology, but because our graduates are going to have such access to such incredibly sensitive information, we have to bake ethical discussions into almost every class because even beyond the AI thing, our graduates are going to have access to all kinds of sensitive information that they need to approach with the highest ethical standards. In other words, they're going to have a lot of people's private data, and you need to make sure that they don't say, hey, this could be worth something. Let's sell it, right? Exactly, exactly. Or, or just, you know, you happen to come across somebody's medical records and say, did you know so-and-so had this operation five years ago? Or even just other personal things like that that might be brought up in a casual conversation over a beer after work one night. That was University of Akron professor of computer information systems, Dr. John Nicholas. I'm Jean Destro, and that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Jean Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>